Well, good morning, Wheaton Bible Church. It is so good to be worshiping with you this morning. If you're joining us from our West Chicago campus, from our Streamwood campus, if you're new with us this morning, if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, that you've joined us for our new sermon series, Wisdom for Life. As we dive into Proverbs and what God has to say about wisdom. And so this morning, we are going to worship together. We're going to hear truth from God's word. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our lives. And so let's sing together. This morning, I want to specifically um, say hello and welcome to our kids who are joining us. If you are here right now, you all of our kids, I have a job for you. I was going to see if you could help me with our call to worship. It's very easy. Um, there's a line, we're going to read Psalm 136, and there's a line that repeats itself over and over again. And that line is, His love endures forever. And so I'm going to read a verse, and then we are going to respond together, His love endures forever. Will you say that with me right now? And parents, you can help your kids. Let's say that together. His love endures forever. Let's read this psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, his love endures forever. Who by his understanding made the heavens, his love endures forever who spread out the earth upon the waters, his love endures forever. Who made the great lights, his love endures forever. To sun, the sun to govern the day, his love endures forever. The moon and stars to govern the night, his love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven and we all say together, his love endures forever. Lord, we know that your love is greater than any love. God, we stand in that love this morning. God, we rejoice in that love this morning. The love of Jesus, there's nothing better, there's nothing greater. So we sing this out. What would the King of all one with this broken heart why would he take the fall, knowing us as we are? Glory beyond the shame, healing beneath the scars. Nothing remains the same, now that we've seen your love, and great is your Nothing is greater than your love. Great is your love. Nothing is greater than your love. No matter where I run, there I will find your grace. And mercy has made us one. 
our prayer today. God, that you would be our vision, that you would be our wisdom, Father. Lord, as we worship together, we know that there is a void that only you can fill. Lord, there is an emptiness that only you can fill. And so, Father, we seek you. Give us more of you, Lord. We want to be like you. Lord, would you open our ears, would you open our hearts, open our eyes to who you are. Reveal something about yourself to us, God. Lord, may we be listening. May we be open to what you have for us today. We love you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Good morning, church, and welcome to my home. My name is Chad Lowe, and I serve as the interim campus pastor of Tri-Village Church, our stream on campus. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, I want to say welcome. We are so glad that you are here. We believe that we are created for community and it's so important to stay connected during this difficult time. If you would like to connect with our church more deeply, please visit wheatonbible.org connect. Someone from our team will reach out to say hi and to get to know you. We would love to help you grow in your faith and deepen your walk with the Lord. And we look forward to talking with you soon. Each and every week, our staff gets together by Zoom to pray over your requests. This week, we prayed for those who are in the hospital, those struggling with addictions, and for some students who are grieving the loss of their graduation ceremonies. Wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, we want to pray with you. So would you please take a moment to text PRAYER to the number on the screen. It'll get a prompt back, and please fill in your prayer request. And if you'd like to stay anonymous, you can do that as well. And would you also please let us know if the Lord has answered any of your prayers. We want to celebrate what God is doing in your life. Last week, we made you aware of a need to help replenish local food pantries. And did you show up? Let's check out this video. All the food being collected today is in support of four specific food pantries in Carroll Stream, in Hanover Township, in West Chicago, in Warrenville. But actually those four food pantries specifically serve the residents of nine of our surrounding communities. We've anywhere from kids to, to older people coming out serving. There's been a lot of high energy. Um, complimenting, encouragement, it's been awesome to see. People are just eager to serve and help out. Everyone's got smiles, everyone's excited to support each other. These guys, these kids are just killing it. It's like a good feeling, you know, like you're helping people by collecting this. I mean, within the first 25 minutes, 
We must have already seen 50 cars come through dropping off bags and boxes of food. What was one of the reasons you wanted to give today? Well, I saw my parents giving food and I was wondering what it was for, so I asked what is it for? And I heard that it was a donation so that they can buy food. It feels good in your heart when you do something like that. Thank you. All of these donors have just, they've taken the time, they've gone shopping, they've been thoughtful to think about other people, and there is just no way that we could really show our gratitude and appreciation for all the support. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Thank you, Tri-Village Church. Thank, Thank you, Church. Church. Man, the impact that God is having through you and our local communities is incredible. As many of you know, both local and global missions has been a cornerstone for our church. We serve 90 missionaries in over 50 different nations around the world. Having these global partnerships during this pandemic has been instrumental, and I want to share a story with you. In North Africa, where the gospel cannot be shared freely, our partners are seeing an incredible response from university students who are spending more time online. In just the first few weeks of the pandemic, our partners in one North African nation alone shared the gospel with 236 students online. 33 made decisions to follow Christ, and 16 are already being discipled, all online. In a live chat, one college student wrote, I prayed the prayer you sent me yesterday, and I feel like I rebooted my soul, like I am brand new. God is at work around the world in this pandemic. And it's through your generosity that ministries, both in our local communities and on the other side of the world, are possible. Would you please take a moment to prayerfully consider giving or making a reoccurring giving to Wheaton Bible Church to help support the local ministries and global ministries of this church. You can do so easily by texting Wheaton Bible to 77977 or by going on our website, wheatonbible.org give, or you can mail a check to our church offices. Thank you so much for the ways that you support ministry at this church. Now, before we take our offering, I'd like to invite Pastor Rabu up to pray for us. So let's do that. Would you bow with me and let's pray together? Father, you are the king of the universe. And you are a good king, a loving king, a faithful and compassionate king. And we know that because of what you have done for us in your son, Jesus Christ. How Jesus willingly left the splendor of heaven and became a man. And lived a perfect life to fulfill the law and died a perfect death in our place for our sins, that the moment we believe we might find forgiveness and righteousness and eternal life. We are amazed that you have not merely forgiven us, but you have adopted us into your family, that we are your children, your sons and your daughters, adopted members of the royal family of the universe because of the work of Jesus. We marvel to think that not only did Jesus die, but he was raised from the dead. And he is at your right hand now, interceding, your word tells us, for us. Taking our prayers, taking our needs, and bringing them into your presence, Father. And today, Father, we want to pray for the situation we are facing here in the U.S. and around the world. I think of students this morning 
who have missed their sports, their musicals, who have missed their classes, who have missed their classmates. And now, as we enter into this season of graduation, are missing graduating with their friends. And I ask God in this um, moment where relationships are difficult, where when we get together it's got to be in very small groups, that you would give grace and a sense of joy and even purpose to the so many students that represent the Wheaton Bible Church family. We acknowledge that this is difficult. We look to you to bring an end to this pandemic in your time according to your good pleasure. In the meantime, I pray that you would give our students wisdom and discernment. As a matter of fact, God, we ask that you would do that in all of our lives. We pray that you would give our government leaders wisdom and discernment at the national, the state, the local levels. We ask, God, that you would protect the medical workers among us, that you would give grace to people that are struggling with illness and sickness or may have a loved one or a friend that is tested positive for COVID-19. We know, God, there's all sorts of hardship people are facing, job loss, financial losses, uh, difficulty of different sorts, our inability to get together to take care of loved ones. And we bring this all to you because we know you are a God of love. And we ask that our knowledge of your love would sustain us. And you would use this new series to speak to us. And so, Father, we want you to know this morning that we love you because we are blown away by your love for us. And we pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. Well, good morning to Streamwood, to our North Avenue Contemporary Campus people, to those of you that are listening in around the country, literally around the world I want you to know that I am super excited about what we have in store for us this morning because this morning we start a new series on one of the most fascinating, fabulous, and famous books in the Bible. It's a book of Proverbs. And I can't wait over the weeks and the months to come to see what God is going to do in your lives by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we walk through Proverbs together. Proverbs is amazing, and it comes to us at a, such an important time because we all need wisdom, not just because of what we're experiencing with the enormous hardships of COVID-19, but because of what is increasingly going on in our Western culture. And what is that? Well, we live in a world where increasingly values are relative, relationships are transactions, identities are fragile, and fulfillment is elusive. During the first four centuries of the early church, when values were just as chaotic as they are today, relationships uh, uh, just as transactional, identities and fulfillment just as uh, fragile and elusive, 
80% of the evangelism that took place during the first four centuries of the church wasn't done by pastors, but it was done by ordinary Christians who openly and unashamedly self-identified as followers of Christ and who lived out their Christianity and talked about their Christianity among their friends and their family, with their fellow students, with their fellow workers. And God used that in incredible ways because as these individuals lived so wisely and so compassionately, Christianity began to spread like wildfire throughout the Roman Empire. And I say that because as we go through Proverbs together, I am praying that God will use this in your networks, your social relationships, your networks of social relationships. As a matter of fact, that's so important, the New Testament gives us a word for it. And it's a Greek word, oikos. And whether you're 8 or 80, each and every one of us has an oikos, a network of relationships. And to the extent, I, I believe, to the extent that we apply this wonderful book to our lives, we will see God the Spirit do incredible things among our oikos. And I want you to know that I've been praying to that end. As a matter of fact, I've seen the impact of Proverbs in my own life and in uh, the life of people around me. I think of my son Ryan when he was in high school, and it was just some months after his mother died that I invited him to study Proverbs with me. And so we spent a couple of months looking at different Proverbs, and sometimes our discussions were short. Uh, he's a high schooler, was a high schooler, and sometimes we had some amazing lengthy conversations. And actually, as I look back on that period, I, want to, I just want you to know, especially you parents, that taking my son through the book of Proverbs was one of the best things I ever did as a parent. And years later, I'm seeing the fruit of the wisdom of Proverbs played out in his life. So instead of speaking to you parents, I'm going to speak to you kids. We're going to be in Proverbs for three months. So what I'd love for you to do is say to your mom or your dad, hey, let's study Proverbs together. Let's go through this as a family. You've got some weeks, you've got a couple of months to do that. And I promise you, God's going to use it in incredible ways in your lives. Now this morning we're going to begin at the beginning. We're going to look at the introduction to the book of Proverbs that's found in Proverbs chapter 1. And it begins in verse 1. So follow with me as I read the first seven verses. Proverbs of Solomon. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom. Wisdom is a critical word in this book. And instruction. For understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction and prudent behavior. Doing what is right and just and fair. For giving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables. 
the sayings and the riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. This is the most important verse in Proverbs. And in light of the New Testament, we could read this as the fear of Jesus is the beginning of knowledge. I'll come back to that. But fools, well, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So let's go back and let's look at verse 1. We see two things in verse 1. Verse 1 is a title. It's comparable to other titles of works done in ancient Near Eastern literature. And we need to keep in mind uh, that Solomon wrote these Proverbs about 1,000 years before Christ. So they're approximately 3,000 years old. A lot of ancient wisdom here. But what I want you to see, first of all, is that the way this book will communicate God's truth, divine truth, is by Proverbs. So Proverbs, capital B, P, will communicate God's truth by lowercase, small p, Proverbs. Now what are Proverbs? Proverbs are short wisdom statements that ooze, I mean literally ooze insight. Now there are more generalizations than absolutes. But we have all sorts of modern Proverbs, not biblical Proverbs, but modern Proverbs we use today. So, for example, let's take Stephen. Stephen is a 16-year-old. He's just gotten his license recently. But on this particular Friday night, he stays out way too late, way past the curfew that his parents had set. So when he finally gets home, his dad is waiting up for him. And Stephen walks in the door, and the first words out of his mouth are, better late than never. That's a modern proverb. But then Stephen continues, and he lies about why he was out so late. Now his dad is wise, his dad is shrewd, and his dad sees right through Stephen's lies. And he says to Stephen, Son, it's about time you learn that actions have consequences. Another modern proverb. And dad goes on to say, so you're going to be grounded for the least the next week. And by grounded, I mean no cell, no video games, and your computer only for school. Now, biblical proverbs are different than the common modern proverbs that we use today because biblical proverbs assume a robust faith in God. And so proverbs become snapshots of what it looks like to live a life of faith. Now there's a second thing we see in verse 1. And that is, and I'm stating the obvious here, that they were written by King Solomon, uh, uh, the son of King David. But what's important, and the reason I'm emphasizing this for just a minute, is because the Bible tells us elsewhere, like in 1 Kings chapter 4, that Solomon was the wisest, if not the richest man of his day. Some would argue that relative to his culture, that Solomon was the wisest and the richest man that ever lived. What we do know in light of 
Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that Solomon was a renaissance man. And by that I mean he loved just about everything because he believed that everything came from God. So in these Proverbs, Solomon will talk about everything from anger to anxiety, from friendships to marriage to parenting to developing a compassion for the poor, how to take care of the poor, how to handle your tongue, how to guard your heart, and on and on and on. Now let's go on. Because beginning in verse 2 all the way through verse 6, we move from the title of Proverbs to the purpose of Proverbs. And the purpose of Proverbs is to teach us to live wisely. So let's look at verse 2. We are told right at the beginning, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight. Now what's interesting is instruction and understanding and insight are all synonyms for wisdom. We see others throughout the next uh, couple of verses. These words, these different terms, are all like different facets of a brilliant diamond, the brilliant diamond called wisdom. And Proverbs is going to teach us how to gain this wisdom. And what we want to do is enjoy what is going on here relative to that. So let me tease this word out, wisdom, for just a moment. Take Exodus 35. In Exodus 35, the word wisdom is used to describe the skill of an artist. Other places, the skill of musicians. In Psalm 107, it's used to describe the know-how of a sailor. Wisdom, or I should say the, the difference between wisdom and a lack of wisdom is if you're a football player, and I'm praying for the football season this fall, that we'll have a football season. If you're a football player and you're walking on the field, but you're merely hoping the game goes well, instead of crafting a strategic game plan to win the game, well, the one is foolish and the other is wise. Now, what I love about Proverbs is that Proverbs gives us dozens and dozens of game plans for life. Let me illustrate one in my own life. Over the years, I've tended to be harsh. I, I exude some harsh words, primarily with the people I'm closest to. Take Rhonda. So if I'm frustrated about something, I will say something harshly. And not only does that ruin the moment, it ruins the evening and it can ruin a day. But in Proverbs, we have a game plan in several different verses. And I love Proverbs 15.1, which goes like this. A gentle answer turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. Do you see the game plan? Wisdom isn't being harsh. 
It just stirs up anger. So when you're frustrated, instead of being harsh, the words that come out of your mouth are, are gentle because a harsh word stirs up the anger. Here it's the anger of the person you're speaking to. So the one, the harsh word, stirs up anger. The other, a gentle answer, diffuses anger. And what is Proverbs? Well, let me go back. Proverbs, or wisdom in Proverbs, is skill in living. So when we look at verse 15 and verse 1, we see how to live skillfully relative to speaking when we're frustrated. Now let me just say something here about the Proverbs. A proverb like this. You can read this proverb in seconds, but applying it takes a lifetime. You see, these proverbs are sort of like jolly ranchers, hard candy. And you don't bite into a jolly rancher and immediately swallow it, and then you're done with it in a couple seconds. No, you savor it, you turn it over and over in your mouth. And that's what we do with Proverbs. And I want you to know, I've been savoring this verse for years. And what I'm seeing in my life, as I move through life, is slowly but surely, my tendency towards a harsh word when I'm frustrated is giving way to a gentle word. Not perfectly. I haven't arrived, but I'm making a whole lot of progress. You see, that's because wisdom in the book of Proverbs isn't about making a living. It's about making a life. Wisdom in Proverbs is skill in living. Now, let me take this a step further. Where wisdom in the Old Testament is skill in living, when we come to the New Testament, this wisdom, this skillful living is clarified and personified. And we are told that wisdom is walking with Jesus. That's why I said we could translate verse 7, the fear of the Lord or the fear of Jesus. Wisdom, the fear of the Jesus is the beginning of wisdom. Now Paul, in first. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 helps us because he tells us that Jesus has become for us the wisdom from God. I'll come back to another New Testament passage in just a moment. But the New Testament tells us as a rule that no matter how high your IQ, how great your gifts, how, how significant your wealth, unless you're walking with Jesus, there's no skill in how you're living your life. So for example, how you respond to how much you eat, how much you drink, how much you play, how much you work, how you respond to injustice, how you satisfy the longings of your heart are all rooted in your love for Jesus. You are what you love. And what you love determines what you pay attention to. And what you pay attention to determines whether you live your life skillfully, wisely, 
or foolishly. Now let's look at Colossians. This is Colossians chapter 2. Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now take that in. It's in Jesus Christ that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden. And notice the word treasures. Jesus Christ is not merely wisdom personified. He is the author. He is the source. He is the giver, not just of wisdom and knowledge, but all the treasures of it throughout the universe. What an incredible statement. And boy, what a privilege that means for you and me. That Jesus is the source of our wisdom, that he offers it to us. So just as a mechanic, or a musician, or a money manager becomes great, by studying, by training, by practice. So you and I will become great as followers of Jesus Christ, as God counts great, to the extent we study Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The New Testament tells us that it's the work of the Holy Spirit to turn our eyes away from ourselves and to turn them to Jesus. But we also learn there that it's the work of Satan to do just the opposite, to make us self-centered rather than Christ-centered. But you and I will never find fulfillment by turning inward. It's who Jesus is, not who we are, that establishes, now I'm back at the beginning, our values, our relationships, our identity, and the deepest longings, satisfies the deepest longings of our hearts. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now at the beginning I mentioned do perfect. So many of you know Dude Perfect, but in, just in case you don't, Dude Perfect is five young men who were roommates in college who have become an internet sensation because of all the creative things they do athletically, especially with basketballs and footballs and, and, and different things like that. And I've seen a couple of their videos seen some of the documentary that was just released. And actually, I'm very impressed by these five young men. Because not only are they highly creative, but now they have become highly popular and very wealthy. And yet, uh, they are handling all of this with humility. And along the way, and this is one of the reasons I love them the most, they are outspoken about their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you haven't, Google Dude Perfect. And you see, my point is, in Christ, we learn how to live life skillfully. And as a pastor... I should say, I have seen this over and over played out in the lives of so many of you here at Wheaton Bible Church. 
I've seen this skillful living played out in your commitment to the gospel and your commitment to God's word and your commitment to the poor, to making a, a, a difference in, in the marketplace, uh, to seek the common good of people wherever you are, whatever you are doing. I've seen it in your commitment to stretch and to reach and to travel, uh, to see that the nations know about Jesus Christ. And I've seen it in your commitment to share the gospel. Just recently, at the end of last week, or this past week, I should say, just a couple of days ago, I had a short email conversation going on with a man in our church, a big guy, he's a biker, who I just love. And he'd been in the hospital, now he's just been released from the hospital, and he's home. But he came home with a blood clot the size of his fists in both of his lungs. And this is a guy with big fists. And in his last email, he said something that I just love. He said, man, I hope this medicine dissolves these clots quickly because I've got to get back to sharing the gospel with my people. I would add his oikos, his sphere, his circle of influence. You see, it's in Christ that we learn to live skillfully. We never, may never be famous. We may never be wealthy. We may experience all sorts of setbacks in our life. But wisdom is skill in living. And in the New Testament, it's defined as walking with Jesus. Now that brings me to the final verse and the key verse in Proverbs and the key to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And here, as I said a moment ago, knowledge and wisdom are synonyms. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning in the sense it's the foundation of wisdom. So what your foundation is to your house, the fear of the Lord is to you living a life skillfully, wisely, uh, living with wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the root, wisdom is the fruit. And so I want to take a few minutes and talk about this beginning of verse 7. Let me start with this term fear because it's often misunderstood. When we bump into the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, I want you to understand it never means terror. But, but instead, it describes a reverence, a holy reverence, a, a respect, an awe for the God of the universe that is characterized and is demonstrated by living a life of obedience to God's word. But on the other hand, in addition to uh, the, this term fear, uh, referring to reverence and respect, it also refers to love and trust and a warm-hearted affection toward God. Now think of the children in the Chronicles of Narnia. On the one hand, they revered Aslan, 
On the other hand, they loved him. They knew he wasn't safe, but they knew he was good. Fear in the Bible is an an affectionate uh, reverence that bends in obedience to God's word, that bends in obedience to God's will, that bends the knee to God. But I want to take this a, a, a step further. Because just as you cannot, and this comes from a former brilliant Old Testament professor of mine who I believe has written the definitive commentary on Proverbs, and he says in his commentary, just as you cannot separate butter from fly, the two words butter and fly, you can't separate them from each other and understand what butterfly means or come up with butterfly means in the same way when it comes to this verse, you can't separate fear from the word Lord and come up with the biblical concept of the the fear of the Lord. So I'm going to move from talking about fear to talking about the Lord for a moment and then I'll uh, tie them both together. And let me explain it this way. The God of the Bible is not a single person God, like the God of Islam, Allah. The God of the Bible is a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now maybe a single person God could be more than a creator or a ruler So perhaps maybe a single person God could be loving that's debated about Allah. But because of the Trinity, we know God is loving. He is the Father who loves and delights in life with his Son, together in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And all of that in place before the creation of the universe, before the foundation of the world. So this is how Jesus puts it. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Now what is the creation of the world about here? The creation of the world is about the Father by the Spirit sharing his love for the Son with others so that we who believe may share in loving the Father as Jesus loves the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. At the center of the universe before the foundation of the world, the universe, was a God of love who overflows with love. So I say all this to say the God of the Bible, when we bump into this term Lord, uh, the Lord of the Bible is not some distant, elusive, single-person ruler, and even as Christians, sometimes we reduce God to that, who doesn't really care about us, who's too busy for us. But because of the Trinity, uh, because of the atonement, the death of Jesus Christ on 
behalf, we know that God in his very essence as a triune God is a God of infinite love and compassion and mercy. And I wonder if you're aware today that not only do we have atheists, but we have what are called antitheists. The one denies the existence of God. The other tells us that if God exists, it would really be bad. So, for example, one of the most famous antitheists, a man by the name of Christopher Hitchens, tells us that if God exists, it would be like all of us living in North Korea. And I want to argue that maybe what's underneath uh, atheism and anti-theism isn't so much a problem of the existence of God, but a misunderstanding of who God really is. Because the God of the Bible is not some distant, some harsh ruler. The God of the Bible is a God of love, overflowing in love, like I, I, I just said, who rules in love. And a Brit by the name of Michael Reeves who has written a wonderful book on this subject entitled Delighting in the Trinity, argues that it just may be that the rise of atheism and anti-theism is because the church has retreated from the Trinity. So all this to say, when you put Fear, which is an affectionate reverence that bends to God, together with Lord, not a single person God, but the affectionate, loving, compassionate, merciful, forgiving God of the universe, that, friends, is the key to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, what's the application? First, everything in life depends on how you view God. Single person, triune. Second, if you are a Christian, you have no worries. The ruler of the universe is your father. He loves you. And through the work of his son and dying in your place for your sins, uh, he has adopted you into his family and he's given you the spirit. Uh, to empower you that you might overcome uh, the problems and the difficulties you are facing right now. And you might live a life characterized by skill and wisdom. Third, every morning you wake up, you bump into God. But what kind of God? A God who loves you. And as you go throughout your day, you repeatedly bump into God. But a, a loving God who cares for you, who protects you, who, who guides you, who is a light to your feet. And that's why we worship God. That's why we pray. That's why we study God's word. That's why we love God with all our heart. Because he's all around us and he's a God of love. And then finally, it's not understanding, the fear of the Lord is not understanding as much as it is trusting. 
Now, Proverbs is hardly a call to ignorance. But there will be moments, or probably moments in your life right now, where you just can't quite understand what God is doing, what's going on. Why, Lord? But there will never be a moment in your life where you can't trust God. God, I know your love. And to illustrate this, I want to go back to an old children's book, a well-known children's novel by the name of Wind in the Willows. And there's a wonderful scene here, just a short scene, where Rat and Mole are looking for baby Otter, but instead they bump in to the presence of God. And listen to this. Suddenly the Mole felt a great awe fall upon him. An awe that turned his muscles to water, bowed his head, and rooted his feet to the ground. It was no panic terror. Indeed, he felt wonderfully at peace and happy. Rat, he whispered, are you afraid? Afraid, murmured the rat, his eyes shining with unalterable love. Afraid? Afraid of him? No, never. And yet, O oh mole, I am afraid. Then the two animals, this is just a kid's story, crouching to the earth, bowed their heads and did worship. It may be a kid's story, but there is incredible truth in that scene. Now all this to say, when the fear of the Lord, as I've teased it out, takes root in your heart. Your oikos will know. Because there is no way you will keep this kind of God to yourself. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you and we praise you and we are amazed at you for the wonder that all you have done for us in Jesus. And we ask God as we begin this series that you will use these wisdom statements, the wisdom uh, in Proverbs to give us lives that are characterized by skill. That you might be honored and that you might be glorified. And we pray in Jesus' great name. Amen.
Cause I believe everything that you say you are I believe and I have seen your unchanging heart In the good things and in the hardest part I believe and I will follow you I believe and I will follow you When I see the wicked prospering When I feel I have no voice to sing Even in the wants I'll follow you Even in the wants I'll follow you Cause I believe everything that you say you are I believe and I have seen your unchanging heart in the good things and the hardest part I believe and I will follow you I believe and I will follow you and when I find myself so far from home and you lead me somewhere that I don't want to go even in my death I'll follow you Even in my death I'll follow you But when I've come to end this race I've run I receive the prize that Christ has won I will be with you in paradise Oh, I will be with you you say you are I believe and I have seen your unchanging heart in the good things and in the hardest part I believe and I will follow you I believe and I will follow you cause I believe everything that you say you are and I believe and I your unchanging heart in the good things and in the hardest part I believe and I will follow you I believe and I will follow you I believe and I will follow you Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wheaton Bible Church, you are sent. May God bless you and fill you with hope in these difficult days. Have a great week, and thank you for joining us.
Hey there, I'm Andy from the guest services team. Uh, special shout out before we get started here to guest services. Whoop, whoop. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. It was really, really nice having you worship with us today digitally. I don't know if you're like me, uh, but this has been incredibly difficult. Uh, this pandemic, uh, the shelter in place, it has been very, very hard. And I know that each of us are experiencing that in our own unique ways. As you can see here, you look behind me, I'm sitting in my kids' learning space. Uh, you got the alphabet behind me. Don't let that distract you. And I know many of you find yourselves in a similar position as I am here. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew that we here at Wheaton Bible Church, we do not believe that we were created for isolation. We believe that we were created to be in community. And we have an excellent opportunity for you to be able to jump into community here at our church through these things called life groups. Uh, and if you've never heard of it before, that's okay. Uh, we actually have an experience coming up on May 28th uh, that we would like to invite you into called the Rooted Experience. And this will give you uh, the groundwork of what it means to be in a life group. And I can promise you, if you jump into this 10-week experience, you'll have an opportunity to meet new people, uh, to build potential lifelong connections, and definitely to grow in your faith walk with Christ. So please uh, go to our website in order to get registered at wheatonbible.org slash rooted. And we would love to see you there. So the other thing that I'm just really, really excited to talk to you about today, uh, as I had mentioned, I'm in guest services and I haven't had a chance to host anyone in a really long time, but today we're going to be trying a brand new thing called an after party. And so immediately following the contemporary service, uh, the service that's after 1030, we are going to have an after party in a Zoom conference chat. This is a new thing, but this gives us an opportunity to connect. Uh, this gives you a chance to be able to connect with a pastor, uh, to connect with me, and potentially even connect with other people who are around the church. So if that's something that sounds interesting to you and you'd like to join us, please head on over to our Facebook page and you will get all the instructions. You can go to Wheaton Bible Church Facebook and you can get all of the instructions on how to join that Zoom after party. I would love to host you there. Please, please, please join us. Uh, so that's all for today. Again, I'm so thankful that you chose to spend part of your weekend worshiping with us here at Wheaton Bible. Have a great day. Bye.